morning. Beautiful day today. Beautiful hot day in the neighborhood. If you're not from uh, Houston and you're visiting Houston, welcome to Houston. <laughs> what a welcome, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, God, for the privilege and the honor to expose your word. Lord, um, before this congregation, Lord, I, I take this position, Lord, with fear and trembling um, and humility, God, the responsibility that you put in our hands. I pray that whatever we hear today, Lord, we would understand that it's coming from you and that it would, uh, it would spurn us into the right direction to be the people that you want us to be, Lord, and to heed the calling, to bring honor to your name, to bless the life of the people, lives of the people around us, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray these things, and I thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Happy Father's Day. Yeah, th thank you. <laughs> thank you. You know, um, it's really um, amazing how, and, and I'm going to say it from the Hispanic community perspective because, you know, that's, that's the, the, my culture, but in the Hispanic community, Mother's Day is a huge deal, right? It's a big thing. Um, so much so that, you know, the mother is such a, um, a center of everything in the household that when we say that something is messed up, we use the word mother in that word, right? Like there's no mom. If there's no mom, there's nothing. Everything is messed up. You know, it, it's, it doesn't sound really good in Spanish when we say it. It's actually almost inappropriate to say it in Spanish. Um, and then when everything is going really good, we include the mom's name there too. Because if the mom is there, everything is going great. But when we look at biblical culture, God's uh, way of doing things, and we see um, Semitic culture, Middle Eastern culture, the father plays a huge role in this area. And unfortunately, we're living in times where in, the, in our Western culture, the role of a father, the image of what a male is supposed to be, is being destroyed little by little, being attacked. Um, words such as patriarchy are cuss words nowadays. You know, people are offended by that. Male, they put the word uh, uh, that it's, it's toxic masculinity. All these things that really bring down what God's plan and his word is all about. But in the midst of that, I want to go ahead and remind you of words that we heard that were given to Esther by her relative for such a time as this. Amen. So for such a time as this, boys, God made you a male and brought you to this world as a male. For such a time as this, men, God made you a father. God made you a father figure for such a time as this. Now, you might very well ask yourself, why this time? <laughs> why in this time that is so intense that we're being attacked so much? 
God in his infinite mercy and in his infinite grace has assigned it that way. These words for such a time as this have been used to motivate and encourage individuals, families, and communities in challenging times. And how many of you will agree with me that we are living in very, very challenging times? I mean, I can go ahead and uh, testify to you that even from 10 to 20 years ago, things have changed like this at, a, at an amazing speed. Now, mind you, if we look into it further and deeper, uh, it didn't just start yesterday, though. It's been planned by the enemy for quite a while. But I am here again repeating these words to you guys to encourage you, especially men, especially fathers, dads, the male, to walk faithfully and courageously in the purpose God has traced out for you. Yes, sir. God has traced out a purpose for you in this time. Satan, throughout history, and with increasing intensity today, has been attacking manhood and fatherhood to such an extent to completely destroy the family. That's his his main objective, and we know it. We've been speaking about the family in the past few weeks, but I believe that the main target that the enemy is aiming at to destroy the family is the father, is the male. He has used sinful actions of others as a foundation for diminishing and destroying the role of the father. Unfortunately, you know, again, going back to my Hispanic culture, the word machismo came from, from, from that culture, right? I am in charge. Uh, you know, you do what I say. Uh, and, and that mentality has come from that area. But it's also been expressed in many other cultures, unfortunately, where the, the male has, where men have made mistakes of being dominating uh, dictators, abusive and because of that sin people have developed resentments and hurt in their hearts and satan has used this recently to attack the family in that direction but here's what i want to tell you if we want to see god glorified how many of you want to see god glorified amen if we want to see god glorified if we want to truly live a fulfilling life what is a fulfilling life a life that feels like I'm actually doing something that's meaningful. Because let me tell you something. This life is tough. <laughs> There's a lot of things that can try to bring us down. There's a lot of difficulties that break, try to break us. But if you want to find meaning in life, if you want God to be glorified, and if we want to truly live a fulfilling life, if we want to, if we want to be a blessing to our families, our friends, and community, following God's instructions to us in his word is key. Let me repeat that one more time because there are so many voices trying to compete for what God is speaking to us through his word. So many voices, guys, politicians, social media, movies, friends, everybody. But if we want to go ahead and find that we are glorifying the Lord, if we want to live a truly fulfilling life, and if we want to be a blessing to those around us, following God's instructions to us in his word It's key. It's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. Now, there are so many examples in the Bible in regards to what a father is, starting with our heavenly father. The number of men who displayed the courage and faith to be who God called them to be is not a small number. 
I would say there are plenty of examples. But I want to focus on one particular man that stood out to me this past week as I was trying to figure out and listen from God in regards to what to share, you know? And it's funny because <laughs> I was thinking, what should I talk about? We talked about marriage. We talked about raising kids. We talked about all this and that. And suddenly it dawned on me, oh, yeah, it's Father's Day on Sunday. It's just like my birthday, you know? My wife tells me, what do you want to do for your birthday? I mean, we want to go out. And I tell her, babe, all I want to do is stay home. That's just the best birthday. Most men, for some reason, we just want to stay home, right? Most of us. I don't know if you're like me. Same thing for Father's Day. But this particular man caught my attention. You see, Noah is the type of man who helps us understand what it is to live in a time of substantial sin. In a time when everyone around you is opposed to you. I mean, uh, ditto, amen, aye, 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 just, you know. <laughs> Yet in the midst of all that, Noah stands out as a man of conviction, faith, love, courage, and holiness. And those are the kind of things that God is calling, in fact, even demanding from us men and fathers. Conviction, faith, love, courage, and holiness. If you go to me to the book of Genesis, chapter 6, and we're going to read from verses 8 to, 3, 8 to 22. Genesis, chapter 6, verses 8 through 22. And it reads, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower second and third decks. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your, and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. And they shall, they shall be male and female of the birds after their kind and of the animals after their kind of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all the food, which is edible, and gather it to yourself. 
and it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, he did. First of all, let's, let's focus on that first verse. It says that Noah found favor in the, in the eyes of the Lord. You know, when I first read in the Bible when I was a young teenager and I read that it said that the people did evil in the sight of the Lord or in the eyes of the Lord, I always ask myself the question, what does that mean? What do you mean? Why do you even put that in there? You know, my, my American Western mind didn't comprehend what it was saying there because a lot of times we read the word of God and we forget that it was written uh, from, in, in, from a different culture and perspective. That's why it's important to study it and to break it down, right? And so I, I would ask myself, I would say, no, duh, God sees everything. Of course they did evil in his sight. But when you, you study it more and you meditate on it more, it, it, what it means is that if it's wrong in his sight, it's wrong. Even if it's right in your sight and to your eyes, it's about his perspective. If before him it is right, but you, before your eyes and your perspective is wrong, it is actually right. Because it's about the way he sees things and about his perception because of who he is, the God who created the universe, the one who sustains everything and who knows everything. So it says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Whatever matters in the eyes of the Lord in this life or the next is what truly matters. And Noah found unmerited favor before God. How many of you can say amen and you said, I, I'm there too? Yes or no? Have we found unmerited favor? Has he given us his grace? It is by his grace that we are here today. It is by his grace that we came to know the truth of his word. It is by his grace that someone spoke the living words of God to us one day and we received them. It is by his grace that we have a family. It is by his grace that you have a job. It is by your grace that you live in the United States of America instead of a person where they're persecuting you. But you know what? It is by his grace that those that are being persecuted are over there too <laughs> because they are finding grace even in the middle of that difficult circumstance and having strength to do what they got to do. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Amen? And then it goes on to say, Noah was a righteous man. Now, when we think about being righteous, we're usually very careful, right? Because many have called us self-righteous. Oh, you're so self-righteous. You think you're good. You think you're good or better than I am. But the righteousness that the Bible speaks about is a righteousness that God gives through his unmerited favor. And in response to God's grace in his life, Noah strove to live righteously in the middle of the corrupt generation he was living in. It was a response that he was having as a result of seeing God's grace in his life. Remember that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance and our response should be to walk righteously. We see that in Romans 2, 4. It is his kindness. It is his goodness that allows us to go ahead and repent. And as a result, our response should be to strive to walk in righteousness. What does it mean to be a righteous person? I was wondering that. And many times we, we think about that. Well, yeah, God, 
brings his righteousness on us. He justifies us. But there's something that is lived out as a response. And here's the best way that we could describe it. And I found this online, but I forgot to put who the author was. So I'm sorry about that. But it says to understand, to be a righteous person is to understand God's moral and righteous requirements as opposed to the ungodly lifestyle of the people that are surrounding us. Let me repeat that one more time. It is to understand God's moral and righteous requirements as opposed to the ungodly lifestyle of the people surrounding us. In other words, it is to differentiate the two. And you say, this is God's and this is not. This is the way God designed the family and the way others are telling me it is supposed to be is not. This is the way a man, a father should be living out his life for the glory of God and for the blessing of his family. And this, what the world is telling me, is not. And then what you do as a result is you preach that message through your lifestyle, through the way that you live it out. In striving to walk in loving obedience to the Lord. Notice what I said. You strive to walk in loving obedience to the Lord. I'm not trying to obey God just because I'm scared that something's going to happen as a result or a consequence. I'm trying to obey him because I love him, because he loved me first. I'm walking in loving obedience with him. See, this goes beyond every other belief that you hear out there. Here's my question to you as we process what I, what we, what I just said. It's not about being perfect because I don't know about you. Am I the only one that has made mistakes in the past week? Am I the only one that has sinned? But here's my question to you as you walk in this walk with the Lord and strive to be a righteous person, and specifically you men and fathers, to be a righteous man. Do you sense conviction when you sin? Or is it something that you just like to walk over like nothing, just covered under the rug? I sin. Oh, it's, it's okay. Do you sense conviction from God when you sin? Does, does it break your heart to know you've broken his when you sin? Does it hurt here when you realize that you have sinned and realize that you have broken his heart? King David was a perfect example of this. And he was called a man after God's own heart. Then it goes on to say that Noah was blameless in his time. John W. Rittenbach says that best way to describe that is that Noah was humble before God and faithful. Dependable in carrying out his responsibilities. In other words, he kept what 1 Peter 3, 16 and 17 says, and where it says that he had a good conscience and he saw it better to suffer for doing good rather than for doing what is wrong. 1 Peter 3, 16 and 17 says, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Noah was a man above reproach. 1 Timothy 3, 2 encourages us to do that. 
to be a person above reproach. That if they're trying to bring any type of uh, uh, pointing your, the finger at you, that it wouldn't be true. Noah was blameless in his time in the middle of his corrupt generation that he was walking in. Noah walked with God. What does walking with mean and what does it imply? Here it is. Here it is, gentlemen. And I'm specifically speaking to the gentleman. It means intimacy with God. <clears throat> it means intimacy with the Lord. It's funny how <laughs> in this generation, men, and in our Western culture, the way we're being attacked, they're trying to catch us between a rock and a hard place, right? It's like, you got to be a man. Men don't get too intimate about things. But then they turn around and they start saying, oh, you can't be too much of a tough guy because that's toxic. And you're like, okay, well, what in the world do I do? But the beautiful thing about the Lord is that he's calling us to be both. He's calling us to be brave, courageous, willing to fight the good fight, but at the same time to be tender and sensitive beginning with our intimacy with the Lord, with our relationship with him. God was not just a cold deity for Noah that he had to sacrifice to daily to keep his wrath at bay. He trusted him. He spoke with him. And God spoke back. He had a relationship with the Lord. Gentlemen, young men, fathers, do you have a relationship with the living God? Do you have intimacy with him? This also meant that as a result, whichever direction God led, Noah went. What God designated was righteous. Noah accepted and obeyed and strove to live up to it. That's why he was blameless in his time. Then the last thing that catches my eye in regards to Noah is in verse 22 where it says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Now I want you to think about this real quick. Noah was having a conversation with God, and the Lord was very specific with his detailed instructions, wasn't he? God told Noah exactly what he was about to do. Now, I want you to look at it from a human perspective. Think about this. <laughs> if God would come to you right now and say, hey, uh, Herson, I'm about to destroy the entire world. They're all going to die. I don't know, about, I don't, I don't know if, if, if any, anybody here would be thinking, hmm, yeah, especially that guy that I really like. That's a good thing, <laughs> right? Think about his reaction, his emotions, the things that he thought about when he heard God saying this for the first time to him. But he had a relationship with the Lord, and God gave him very specific instructions. He told him that the earth was corrupt before his eyes, in his sight, and that the end of all flesh had come before him. And as a result, he was going to end all life on earth. Can you imagine what all the thoughts that were going through his head? God tells Noah how to build the ark, what type of material to use, and how many floors and decks and the measurements. Don't you wish sometimes that God would be that specific with you? <laughs> right? Sometimes you're praying for something and you're wishing that God would give you specific instructions of where to go and what to do. 
about to go to college. Lord, tell me exactly what, what college to go to, what major to go with, um, and, and, and what specific uh, teachers to go with. God, I'm thinking of marrying this person. I don't know. Tell me specifically if this is the person for me. Uh, Lord, I'm about to take a new job. Tell me exactly where to go. Give me the specific instructions. The boss, if you would just give me the name of the boss who's going to hire me. All these details, right? (laughs) But notice that most of those things are usually based on our personal goals. On what we want to do. I'm reminded of... uh, the situation with Dr. James Dobson's father. I think most of us are familiar with Dr. James Dobson, right? He tells the story of his dad, man of God, who left a great impact in Dr. James Dobson. When he was graduating from high school, his dad wanted to be an artist, a painter. That was his passion. And he had his sight focused on it. That was what he wanted to do. And the Lord interrupted his dreams. How many of us have been in that boat before? The Lord interrupted his dreams and his his goal. And he told him, I want you to go into ministry. And he wrestled and he wrestled and he wrestled with it. Until he finally accepted it. And he did what he had to do. And I think a lot of times that's what happens in our lives. We, we, we are waiting for specific instructions from God, but God interrupts in a certain way because he has a bigger plan than we, what we can see. And I am sure, because it says, Jesus said that it will be like in the days of Noah. Everybody was doing their thing, going around normal with their goals and their dreams. And I'm sure Noah was one of them. Even in the middle of living in that corrupted generation, he had his dreams, he had his goals. He had th- and then God all of a sudden, hey, I'm going to do something. I think you're going to have to go this way instead. And God was very specific with him in these instructions. God will sometimes disrupt your personal goals, ladies and gentlemen, and especially you men. And you have to listen. I say especially you men because I'm talking to fathers this morning. Noah did all that God told him because Noah trusted God. He trusted the Lord. Men, fathers, boys, the Lord has poured his grace, his favor on you through Jesus Christ. Listen to this very carefully. Young men who have grown up with a godly father in your household, you don't know how blessed you are. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't know how blessed you are. You don't know how much I wish I could have had that in my house. What I saw in my household was a drunk, womanizing man who left that when I was six years old. You are blessed to have a godly man in your life. He has poured out his grace. And you know what? Even in the middle of that, God poured out his grace on me. Because he brought godly men to be examples to my life as I was growing up. But let me ask you this. Are you a righteous man? Do you understand God's demands and are you striving to walk in his ways? Or are you just letting life go by? 
Are you accepting what the world is saying and allowing it to infiltrate your home? Do you teach your children? Gentlemen, guys, men, male, do you teach your children? Do you take time to speak the word of God into their lives, even if you think they're not listening? Because you have to do it. You are a prophet to your family. And if you think they're not listening to you, that they're playing around, that they're distracted, don't worry. There were prophets that were stoned for speaking the word of God. So you'll be okay. Open your mouth. Teach your children. Are you fighting for them in prayer? Are you protecting your wife, not just physically, but also spiritually? Does your heart break when you break his? Are you blameless? Are you fulfilling your responsibilities and following through on God's written instructions to the best of your abilities? Do you walk with God? Do you have intimacy with him? Do you trust him? Father, we come before you, Lord, first of all, in repentance. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. Forgive us of the sin of neglect, of laziness. Forgive us, Father, for the sin of just sitting around and allowing evil to take over instead of doing something about it. Lord, give us the courage and the strength as men of God to do what we have just heard from you. Because the times are crucial. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.